Hello, welcome to another Rich Herring's Letter Square Theatre podcast. It's me, Rich Herring, speaking. My guest this week is Deborah Francis White, who has a lot of amazing stories about her incredible life. You're going to love this one. If you like these shows, please support me by coming to see my written and rehearsed stand-up. Unlike this show, which is all made up as I go along, I'm doing a show called The Best, which is 90 minutes of my best material, in my own arrogant opinion. Uh, it's not really arrogant, you know, it's just the best that I have. You can see all the details of that on my website, ridgetowning.com. I'm going all around the UK from February to May 2017. And also, you can buy my DVD, Happy Now, at gofasterstripe.com, along with all my old shows, if you want to catch up on those. If you can't come and see the best of, why not just buy all the DVDs and downloads, and then you can make a best of of your own out of those. Anyway, let's sit back and enjoy Deborah Francis White. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. It's nice to have you here. It's Halloween today. Woo! And please welcome a man who died on this very spot exactly ten years ago today. <laughs> have you ever seen a ghost? You will have now. It's Richard Herring! <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we're back. We're back big time. Thank you very much. Uh, welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Um, I was um, hanging out with Avril Levine. Uh, she knows... <laughs> She's got this uh, boyfriend who he's, uh, he loves going on skateboards so much. She calls him a skirt eight uh, boy. boy. Uh, he calls it a uh, rehearsal. So I don't, that's, that's, I don't know if that's catching. I don't know if I've done that one before. I feel I might have done that. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's Halloween today as we record this, uh, which uh, on the church tube journey in here, most uh, women seem to just use that as an excuse to dress up as a cat, it seems. That seems to be the... The thing of choice. Uh, but uh, the clocks went back at the weekend, which is fine, but I've got a baby now, so it's really fucking annoying, isn't it? Because you've just got them settled into a pan. I was waking up at 7.30 every morning, and then my baby doesn't know the clocks have gone back, so now I wake up at 6.30. But it does mean um, that I get to see baby Jake again, which I'd forgotten about. Do you remember that one? You, you guys should get up at 6 o'clock, because turn on CBeebies. There's some amazing fucking trippy shit on that. There's... It's about a family that live in the windmill, I think, and there's ten of them. They've got ten kids. One of them draws uh, faces on his knees. It's, I, don't, I don't know if it's a real thing. Uh, and uh, at the weekend, uh, the Gemma Chan uh, documentary was on where they made a robot of Gemma Chan. I tuned into that. That was... Uh, I mean, I don't, if I was Gemma Chan, I mean, she was all... They didn't make the lower half, so what was the point? But they... Uh, they they skirted around that issue. But the guys who made the robot, I, I, I'm not sure about them. If I was Gemma Chan, I wouldn't be happy leaving the Gemma Chan, even the top half of the Gemma Chan robot, in their custody. I'm absolutely certain. And it's, it isn't even liable, because it definitely happened. That <laughs> they at least tongued that. That is... And... Uh, that's a terrible thing. I, I, I should say hello to Matt Barker. Hello, thank you for sponsoring the episode. Uh, so you get some champagne. Is this your wife here or mistress? Wife, wife that's good. Yes. I mean, because like, women would be impressed, I think, with, with someone being given money to a podcast like this. So, you know, doesn't, didn't have to bring his wife, but it was nice. I just couldn't believe that you were his wife, to be honest. And I, I mean, look at him and look at you. I mean, it is... It's ridiculous, uh, but he's obviously got a bit of money to spare. Are you enjoying that? Is what you're drinking there is Charles Lecouvre champagne. That is the top. That's from Waitrose. That champagne, yeah. 
It costs fifteen pounds a bottle, so it's uh, it's it's good stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's about. I thought I had more to say. Oh no, Richard Osman. I was I was I wasn't on Celebrity Pointless this week, but uh, I was mentioned on Celebrity Pointless this week because the two people that I've failed to win on Celebrity Point Pointless Celebrities, it should be called, uh, is uh, but that seems rude. Uh, they uh, Rona Cameron and uh, Rob Webb were both on, and Richard Cameron said uh, Richard Osman said uh, Richard Cameron Richard Osman said that I was the worst contestant that had ever been on Pointless. <laughs> And what got me is both Rona Cameron and Rob Women. Yeah. And it had been their fault both times. I'm not going to go on about this. They didn't go, no, excuse me, Richard, can I just say I think it was my fault? They didn't do it for saying to pow for a single artist. I can't, I can't remember anything about it. Uh, so, um... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to crack straight on with the show. Uh, the, my guest tonight uh, is probably best known as the party guest from Lipsticker. That's why we're all here tonight to see. <laughs> Please welcome Deborah Francis White, ladies and gentlemen. Amazing. Thank you very much. Amazing. Hello. Hello. You look. Um, you look. Am I allowed to? Because you're a feminist. Am I allowed to say you look? Very nice. I, I'm a guilty feminist. Okay, so yes, few, thank goodness. That's the, that's the name of my podcast. <laughs> that sort of it's it's that's the loophole. The last you could see, you could tell a feminist they look nice. Yeah, I know. I was only joking. Yeah, don't was... just just don't say nice tits. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the right circumstances. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, there are certain circumstances yeah. in which you could admire my tits, and it would be fine. <laughs> uh, let's brainstorm some of those. <laughs> Well, one of my one of my most questions is about whether it's acceptable to would, whether you would carry on go, a date with someone or even being friends with someone who used the word boobies. Oh, uh, I would not. And if I was in bed with someone and they used the word boobies, I would I would leave the bed. You would, what you just get out or even in the mid thrust? Yeah, I would say that's it. You just pull out. That is, that is the end. Get out yeah. of the bed. Yeah. Just back. Would you explain or would you just back out of the room slowly? <laughs> I don't think I would need to explain. I would just say, sorry, that is Though you would, because for them, that word is normal, obviously, or they wouldn't be using yeah. it. Touch my boobies. No. No. <laughs> I can see you saying, let's have a break, let's talk about our boundaries, yeah. and let's go again. But just pulling out, getting out of the bed, <laughs> and slowly backing into the ensuite, coming back out in a bathrobe and leaving the hotel... I'm assuming this is in you a hotel because you're married. And, uh, <laughs> might be, might be yeah. my wife saying yeah. it, and I'm just walking away it's not from your wife. leaving the marriage behind. <laughs> She's into like, luckily, so she'll now know not to say. She's well, making a mental checklist. That's a really interesting one, though, isn't it? Because if you're married to somebody who suddenly starts saying boobies mm. and she's the mother of your child, it's yeah. going to be much trickier to get out of that than if it yeah. was just sort of a one-night stand on the circuit. Yeah, it's true. Especially when I'm going to suckle our child with my boobies. No. That would be awful. That's, that's doubly upsetting. I had a friend who... She was giving birth. Yeah. Not at the time when she, she was about to give birth. Yeah. And she said to her husband, I just find this whole thing about the baby's going to want to suck on my... Breasts. Yeah, that's what's acceptable. Acceptable. Uh, my mammary she's... glands, as they become the minute you've had a child. Right. Uh, hot. <laughs> uh, uh, she said, the baby's going to want to suck on my breasts, and I find it very uncomfortable, because my breasts have only ever been sexual to me, and I just find this is odd. And I husband said, oh, don't worry, darling, it's going to be all normal, it's going to be natural, it's, gonna, it's just going to be fine, you'll just feel it's natural. And she went, that's all right for you to say, what if the baby wanted to suck on your balls? <laughs> 
And I said, you'd, you'd, you'd have a hard time explaining that to the police officer. <laughs> the baby wanted it. It's just... But she said, yeah, I mean, it's true, though. It's a bit of an odd thing yeah. that something that is quite sexual, at some point in your life, just gets a part-time job. Yeah. And just, it's like, you know, for me, it's just like if my knees started dispensing pizza. Yeah. So why is this suddenly... Do you see what I mean? It's a very I do, I think it's awful, women. and all women are perverts. For, for turning a natural, beautiful, th- milk-giving thing into something sure. sexual, that is awful. I'm not sure that was my point. I don't... I feel... I feel that the point you think I've made there, Rich, yeah. is a different point. All I'm saying is you're the feminist and you brought tits up first. That is... That is... That is the surprising thing about this conversation. So, um... Let's go. Well, do you remember? What, well, you must have lipsticker wasn't that long ago. What was lipsticker? Oh God! You were a party oh, guest. Oh God! Yeah. Have I chosen says, something accidentally? Uh, no, 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 okay. no, 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 not at all. No, I, I basically somebody rang me up and said, "You do improvisation." They're making this film in North London. They need a couple of extra people to do an improv scene. Would you come along? And I was thinking, oh, yeah, sure. I'm sure it'll be something like confetti. You know, one of those sort yeah. of slightly less good British goes at Christopher Guest. I do. I'm aware of that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and if you were in confetti or anything, then it was brilliant. Robert but... Webb was in it, so I fuck him. <laughs> He's naked in it. You can see his boobies. Can you? Oh, yeah. Oh, is he yeah. the tennis one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's, the, he's, not, he's the naked one. Yeah, but aren't they... there is a, there's a couple that play tennis, played oh. by um, the girl from Manstroke Woman called the Canadian Woman. God, my nerds are letting me down. Uh, and uh, and, and uh, the bloke who is in... Oh. I mean, I should know his name because quite, he's quite good. He used to play Adrian Mole and is in uh, that hospital thing. God, my brain's gone. Yeah, Stephen Mangan. So you know Stephen Mangan. What about yeah. the other Canadian lady? No one? Gosh, that's show business, isn't it? Just to be clear, yeah. that wasn't the movie I was in, so no, it okay. might be a dead end in terms of us trying to mem- sort of come up with the IMDb list. I don't know, I think confetti was... Is, we should talk about confetti. Listen, confetti, while great, yeah. um, but I thought it would be that star thing because it was improvisation, and they asked... Uh, me to come along with my husband, who also does impro, and they said, because we need a couple, and, you know, you'll already have a rapport, they said, misunderstanding that we've been married for a long time, <laughs> and you lose the rapport about year three. And uh, so uh, we, along we went, and it was one of my mates who was playing the other couple, the, the, the woman from the other couple was one of my mates, and we went in, and it became very clear very early on that this movie was about the most horrendous subject matter. <laughs> it was this dark war film with scenes of... I mean, just terrible, terrible scenes of yeah. people being violated in horrible ways. And this was the one birthday party scene sandwiched between the worst atrocities could possibly could be committed by humankind. And we were like, oh, we don't know if we want to be in this now. But anyway, all right, we're here. We'll do yeah. the birthday scene. And so we sat down, and it was an Israeli director. And uh, he said, uh, he was like, right, um, pretend this is a party and you're having a lovely time. And uh, she is a birthday girl and you're giving her a lovely time. So we all start joshing about and doing, you know, some of our best, best ad-libs, Rich, best yeah. ad-libs. You can imagine them. Uh, and uh, then he just said, cut, cut. This is terrible. None of you are funny. None of you are having a good time. We cannot use this. Go again. Be funny. Have a good time. We were like, oh, okay, okay. And then we started trying to have, you know, ad-lib, ad-lib, ad-lib. Yeah. And, then, um, and then he went, cut, cut, cut. This is terrible. You are with the wrong man. Um, 
you! And he pointed at my friend, I think I can say, Olivia Poulet. Do you know Olivia Poulet? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. So she's in the thick of it. Yeah. She's, she plays Christopher Addison's, uh, Chris Addison's girlfriend in the thick of it. And so she's a very good improviser because a lot of the thick of it is improvised. And this kind of thing is right up her street. So she'd auditioned and got the rapport with this other guy. And they, they were proper people, in, they're proper characters. Yeah. We were just coming along to fill space. We were literally meant to be sitting on the sofa going, oh, you're so old. And suddenly he said, no, you go with him. You look better with him. You don't look good with him. And it was my actual husband. And I was like, oh, okay. And Olivia was like, but I auditioned with him. We had a whole band to work out. We've done rehearsals. No, he is not your husband anymore. She is. And I was like, oh, no. Anyway, we did the scene. It was terrible. I've never seen the film because I just couldn't bring myself to A, to watch the atrocities. Yeah. Of the Why actual... did they want an improvised party in the middle of the film? <laughs> it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit heavy, this film. Let's get some kids in to do some comedy impro and, and then shout at them for not being fun. Come on, you've got to lighten up. This is a very serious film. We need some funny Basically, jokes. yeah. We were the comic relief in the middle of a... a, a the whole thing was an atrocity, including yeah. the impro. Yeah. Lipsticker, if you want to watch that. L-I-P-S-T-I-K-K-A. Please don't I'm going I'm definitely no. downloading If it's on iTunes, I'm getting it tonight. No. Oh, God. So... Look, you've done a, a lot of amazing stuff, so it's kind of, and, and your life is pretty incredible as well. So it's, there's a lot of things to talk to you about. Um, you, um, well, the, the, your Radio 4 show, which I listened to the f- whole first series of uh, this morning, which is great, uh, called... Uh, D- yeah, that, that's how good it is, because usually I just listen to one. I thought, I've got to listen to all of this. It's good. Uh, it's called Deborah Francis White Rolls the Dice. Yes. Uh, and so you've, you're basically about big things that have happened in your life where you've taken a chance but yeah a big strange. life moment yeah. so episode one was about finding my biological mother yeah because up until the age of uh recently i <laughs> had not ever seen a picture of anyone related to me like i didn't know what anyone would related to me might even look like in theory yeah um and uh i so Basically, what I did was I found out my biological mother's name and then just Googled, because I just I didn't want to meet anyone, I just thought I'd have a little noodle around yeah. on the internet, like you do, you know, just all, like you noodle around for ex-boyfriends yeah. or, you know, school friends, just to check that things aren't going as well for them as they are for you. <laughs> yeah. Sort of like that, really, just a curiosity. Um, and when I first found out, I actually rang up to find out what her name was and uh, when, I was, when I was 21, I did that. Yeah. And they said, uh, the lady said, um, I can tell you her name. I was born in Australia, raised in Australia, by the way. And uh, so just to be clear, um, it's very different there because in Australia, adoption has been handled more or less properly. Um, <laughs> here, it has been handled almost exclusively by nuns. Uh, it's people who seem to me to be uniquely unqualified to understand anything going into or coming out of a vagina. So I don't, I don't really... But there, you just ring up the government department um i mean there obviously they had a australia's got the opposite problem because they the government were very keen for an industrial sized adoption program so they pretty much just snatched babies out of prams shouted unfit mother and took them (laughs) so we've got a huge adoption program because any they just decided no you're not keeping that um but they were brilliant at the paperwork <laughs> That's the thing about fascism, often very competently run. So you ring the government department, yeah. and the lady said, um, Oh, no, I can't tell you a name unless we give her your name. And I was like, Oh, no, 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 I don't want that. I don't want that. No. And then she said, I can tell you a first name because that information is not identifying. And um, I said, Oh, great. So she said, I'll have to put it on hold because that information is in a more secret file. <laughs> so off she went. She came back and she went, I'm so sorry. 
I can't tell you. I can tell most people, but not you. You are an exception to the rule. And I said, why? And she said, because your birth mother's first name was so unusual as to be identifying. And I thought, well, there you are. My birth mother is Jermaine Greer. (laughs) I lived on that for years. I would tell people that at parties. It was sort of a joke. (laughs) But I kind of secretly used to think, yeah, Yeah. makes sense. She's done a lot for the sisterhood. It's a good thing. Could have been Cher. I'd have gone for Cher. (laughs) Well, that's true. I've thought of that. Madonna. Could be Madonna. Madonna. Yeah, it could have been. I don't think Madonna's old enough to be my birth mother. I mean, she would have had to be quite young. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. No. No. It could have been Catherine the, Catherine the Great. I mean, there's a there's a, <laughs> an enormous amount of people it could have been. But I settled on Jermaine yeah. as an Australian yeah. feminist. Yeah. Sort of. Does you know, feminism passed down genetically? I'm like, is that? <laughs> That's what I was hoping. Now she's gone all transphobic. I'm very pleased it's not her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> but you did... It's a very moving... I did... Uh, some stuff came out of my eyes. I don't know what was happening at the oh, end of the... It was very cry? moving. Did yeah, you cry about my... my I did. It was very funny, moving. my birth mother. I don't want... People should go and listen to it because it's all still up online, isn't it? It's on the, on the radio player still, I think. It's a, some of it's on iPlayer now, yeah. Yeah, yeah if you're so, quick. Uh, you should, and I'm I mean, sure they'll put it on iTunes alongside Lipsticker. <laughs> get that. Just to get the Lipsticker... Uh, crowd to yeah. listen. But no, it's, it's, no, it's a very moving, a very interesting story. But, and then also, you were in the Jehovah's Witnesses with your your adoptive family. Yes, I uh, was quite late on in your life, so not you weren't you would. Were... No, I had a totally normal childhood, yeah. Rich. Totally normal childhood. <laughs> and then when I was fourteen, my parents just decided we should study the Bible with Jehovah's Witnesses. We're totally normal family, and they just were like, oh, I don't know. Some stuff went down, and my mother said, right, we're going to study the Bible with Jehovah's Witnesses, they're going to come around every Friday night. And I was 14. I mean, that's not the dream Friday night for anybody. <laughs> but we sat around the table, and for two years, every Friday night, and until it's your... But I think... I mean, I always joke that they, they... My parents must have thought adolescence was an ideal time to join a mind-controlling cult. And it is, because your brain's very plastic. Yeah. Um, but... It, and it is. I was very... I was very, very brainwashed. So it's extraordinary for you to believe, Rich, yes. that I thought genuinely thought after two years of heavy brainwashing and you also start going to the meetings so you're three four times a week this is being fed to you when your brain is at its most open to ketamine or jesus (laughs) and i genuinely thought that armageddon was going to come so god very soon very soon was going to bring about a terrible destruction on the earth that one might be true, though, to be fair. And Well, that is looking more likely at the moment. There's a lot of Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Yeah. There's, there's more than four, though. There's about 12 Horsemen of the Apocalypse that have come out in 2016. And so just to start off for 10. Um, so I thought Armageddon would come, and then I wouldn't die if I was good and went along with what the Jehovah's Witnesses said. You yeah. would, obviously, because yeah. you were never going to join the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So I would then have to try and convert you... Um, otherwise I would also die and then then we would live forever on paradise earth so I would never die I just thought I would never die and I genuinely believed that I thought that was true I think that's see I don't think that's a very maybe when you're 14 it is but it's not a very nice thing to think that you're never going to die don't think that would be awful even if you're in paradise it would get annoying wouldn't it after a after infinity. Yeah. What year would you like to stop doing this podcast, though? If I told you you could do it forever and ever and ever, yeah. I know, there might be an appeal. It's, it's like there's never a point where you go, yeah, I mean, maybe there is a point where you're finding I'm ready to go, but usually you go, yeah, I'd like another couple of months. 
but uh, the idea of like living for yeah, but that's because you're going to get. Years. That's because in this system of things, yeah. Rich, you're going to get old, and then you. The reason you want to die is you lose your faculties, and it's not fun no, anymore. I think it'd be boring. I think it would just. I, I see, you're going to be young in this paradise. Is, I think you're going to be young. Boring. Because okay. you've lost your body, which is all the fun bit anyway. This isn't heaven, though. This isn't okay. heaven. This is paradise earth. But you're still a Jehovah's Witness, so you're not allowed to give oral sex to anyone or receive it. <laughs> so what's the, that's an eternity without getting a blowjob. That is... And, and now you've come up finally with an objection that I can <laughs> <Yeah>. get behind. <laughs> up until then, all your objections were terrible. But I, I'm actually feeling... You're making me try and convince you of this paradise. And I feel it's almost like a doorframe. No one's ever asked me to convince them of it since I left. Um, but yeah, no, we'll think of it this way. You'll yeah. be young. Yeah. You'll be able to live with your wife forever. Yeah. To, be honest, to be honest, I only got married because it's till death is too part. That was the only... The, that was the, the, the deal. There's, there's a, a closing point to it. Closing. Then after that, I'm single again. That was like I thought I can commit for... In what world more are years. you going to live longer than Katie? Uh, well, You're not going to no, live I'll longer. I'll be dead, but then I'll be single. You said you'll be single again. I'll be single when I'm dead. You were implying she I'll was going to die first. I'll be dead. You don't no, say I'll, I'll be, be single dead. again if you're I'll dead. dead. I'm talking no, about the afterlife. you were saying she was going to die first <laughs> and you would be single again. Is no, she I'll in? Is sing- she in? She is in. Oh, my I God. I was clearly saying I'll be dead and I'll be single again. And then in the afterlife, anybody looking at the both of you is going to put their money on... Not that I want you to die first. I don't. (laughs) I I think I I should die first. But when I'm dead, I'm single again. I don't want to live forever and then be, um, with all due respect to my wife, be stuck with her. (laughs) Beyond the... And she can't even give me a blowjob even though I'm married to her. That is... Which, you know, I mean, it's a mute In point a very anyway. real way, yeah. Uh, but it's... I think, <laughs> I think those days are gone. Uh, it, you've got a child. Come on now. Um, the, the, <laughs> what if she wanted to get married? I'd, I'd rather buried in the same grave plot, though. That's all right. Yeah, I don't mind that. Well, then you're not single. You, she's lying next to you for eternity. Well, if I can get watching up. Watching you. I can get up if I'm... If, if I'm alive after I'm dead. I'm either in heaven... Yeah. ...going out with... Um, a series dead, of supermodels. Pers- a dead person I'd like to go out with. Can, uh, what you'd like can to date? I only think of uh, uh, the bloke who wrote Dad's Army. <laughs> Perry. You, you want to date? I don't, that's the only dead person I could think of. So if I, my, well, I'm dead, my wife's still alive, and she's single now as well. What I'm saying, when she comes up to heaven and we've got eternity to go... I go, and I'm with Jimmy Perry now. <laughs> For the moment. For the moment, sure. <laughs> it was sure. till death has do part. That's the only reason I went along with this. <laughs> in a very real way, though. Of all the people that died in 2016, you could have thought of. Yeah. At least Prince and Bowie have a sort of bisexual energy. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels like a really odd choice for you, as a straight man, to choose the I really most... Like, I really like Dad's army. <laughs> I'm Ian Lavender still alive. What do you think the pe- do you think the pillow talk would be? Don't panic, don't it panic. Be, I could go, Mr. Go, how did you come up with that? Don't tell him Pike joke. And, you know, yeah, I can see that being a great argument for like yeah. best mates, flatmates. <laughs> but <laughs> in terms of your main concern being yeah. afterlife blowjobs, it was all I could think of. It was the only one I could think of. I'm just questioning. Um, I'm just putting it on the table, and I'm putting a big question mark over it. And I want you to think about it in your own time. Okay. It's important that you do. Anyway, but you know that's the point. I don't want. To, I don't want to live forever. I want to make the most of the time I've got here, and then be dead and single again. Yep, Even okay. if I'm a skeleton, 
who only it, rises once a year on Halloween. On that time, you need it to be a single. I'm going to be single. I'm going to be I'm on gonna go whatever dead Tinder is. Yeah. I'm going to be on. <laughs> yeah. So I don't want your Jehovah's Witness rubbish because of that. Well, I'll, I won't call again. <laughs> write you down. Richard Herring, no calling again. No. Let him die. Let him burn at Armageddon. <laughs> but people did let you into their homes occasionally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, sometimes scarily yeah. so. I had one incident where some bikers, well, a very, very big biker, invited me in with another... We were both 18, another girl, really. We were both 18. And we, I remember it very clearly. We went going down... There. I talk about it in the radio show, that going down this long corridor and realising how far the living space was from the front door. Yeah. And got into this back room, and there were all these bikers lying around, like, all high. And um, they sat us down, and they started asking questions. A bit like this. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like emergency questions they were asking us, really. Yeah. It was a bit like this. And, um, and they started asking. So we were trying to tell them about the paradise, and uh, which I, I, I always think, even at the time, I used to do material about this. When I was a Jehovah's Witness, I used to do comedy just for other Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, I used to do comedy. And... Um, uh, that was my main gig as a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. I was the sort of internal... I was the funniest Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. I mean, that's not a high bar to clear, I'll be honest with you. But that is where I trained yeah. as a Jehovah's Witness. Isn't the guy from Community, Donald Glover, is he a Jehovah's Witness or no? Is he a Mormon? He is a Jehovah's Witness, Jehovah's but he's Witness. not really. There's no signs of him being a Jehovah's no. Witness. What, in real life, do you mean? I think he is in real yeah. life. Aren't they all the, what they are in real life in the sitcom? There's no chance. Not a proper Jehovah's Witness couldn't be in a sitcom okay. like that. There's sex and stuff in it. It wouldn't be allowed. Um, but I remember these bikers going, um, going. Uh, we try to tell them about the paradise, which in the watch. Have you seen the Watchtower magazine? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that they bring to the door. Yeah, the paradise is always depicted as people in national dress passing fruit to one another <laughs> for eternity. It's just someone in a muumu passing a pineapple to someone in a sari, <laughs> back and forth and back and forth and back and forth in perpetuity. Um, and uh, I was trying to show him this picture, and he just looked at me and went. Are you allowed to have sex before marriage? And we went, no, no. Like, we were 18. And we looked like... We were dressed like Alice in Wonderland. I mean, it was... I always had, like, a little headband I used to wear and sort of, you know... You know how Jehovah's Witnesses dress? It's sort of like a dowdy off. Like, they, they do. They make you be dowdy. And that sometimes the elders will tell you you're not being dowdy enough, be dowdier. That you wear a dress to a meeting and they'll go, is that dowdy? Would we call that dowdy? Would there be... No, that would be a four out of ten for dowd. Um, so you're very dowdy. So I was there in my daddy dress, and so I was this 18-year-old. We are very incredibly, you know, oh, um, are, you, are you allowed to have sex before marriage? And uh, we were like, no, no. And then he went, and are you married? We went, no, no. And then he went, so you're virgins. And I remember thinking, not for much longer. <laughs> Which is a good rape joke. And I'll explain why. <laughs> You're feeling scared for me in this moment. Let me deconstruct why it's a good rape joke. Because some people are like, no rape jokes are allowed ever. No rape jokes are allowed ever. And in fact, some people have gone, you go to, night, you go to comedy clubs where they have rape jokes and you shout out the front, no rape jokes, no rape jokes. But that rape joke, I think, Richard, Rich, yep. do you think, do you think? I think you're feeling sorry for me, you're feeling scared for me. And then I break it by having, I've got the presence of mind to make a joke to myself, which empowers me. And the joke is at the expense of the rapist, potential rapist. <laughs> yeah. He didn't actually rape no. me, if anyone's worried. I wouldn't be joking about it if he had. Um, but do you see what I mean by that? Yeah, but you get into difficult... 
territory, don't you? The minute, you know, it's it's also it's just a funny joke, and it's and it's about your life, and so it's all right for you to tell it. I think. I... So I think you know. Well, I think it's interesting because I this subject because if you have been raped and you want to joke about it, I think that's okay. If that's you know if that's your way through it to laugh at it, which people go through terrible experiences. Someone emailed me once and said when I was in some article with lots of. When I was one of the new offenders, I was called because I'd oh. done Hitler moustache. Oh yeah, and uh, and was kind of badly misquoted, but all my stuff was about hating Pakistani, so that's fine. Uh, but uh, which was all taken out of context. So I did a joke about on one of the podcasts about saying I'll just so you should just decide which side is right and then just stick with that. So I'm India Pakistan. I, I'm going to go for India. So I hate Pakistan. So it was in context. I it was remember a stu- this chat. It was a stupid thing. But there was other people talking about rape and that. And then someone emailed me saying, "Well, I, you know, I was raped, and I, the, the jokes helped me to get to deal with the situation." So mm. uh, should that person be not allowed to have jokes about that situation if it helps them? No, okay. that's good. I like what you said. Yeah, I think I've killed the gig by talking about rape jokes. <laughs> this was going really was well, good, it, and now and I've it gone. And it wasn't necessarily a rape joke because you might have just at the last minute gone, "Okay, we don't know what happened." So <laughs> you might go, "I'm bored of being a Jehovah's Witness, and I fancy bikers. Let's go for it." I fancy pervert from bikers. No, that's so there's not... a lot. There's a big leap to turn it into it's a, a rape big, joke. Big leap. Big leap. No, <laughs> no. But I got. I did get out of that situation by. Um, I thought, right, well, if I'm going to die and something terrible is going to happen here, I should... So I make sure I please Jehovah and get into, our, get into right. the paradise. Because you yeah. can get resurrected into the paradise. That's the other option. If you are dead and yeah. single... Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses agree with you on this, by the way. If you're yeah. resurrected, you're single. I'm in. And you come back so into the paradise. I've just got to die first, and then... Then you get resurrected yeah, into the paradise, it. and you start with the fruit passing, and you're great. single at that point. But... They think, it's a grey area, they think possibly the resurrected people will be eunuchs Uh, and you'll never have sex again. It's a long time, isn't it? Eternity. (laughs) For just loads of fruit. It's a long time to have sex. You know, I think, like, eternity is a long time to have sex for, though, as well. So that's the. You'd you'd get bored of sex. No. Definitely would after eternity. You'd mix it up. After eternity. You couldn't mix it up that much. There's only so many things you can do, and it's a finite number of things. I am going to take you to Torture Garden. Unless you can bring in, like, aliens and stuff. You could create aliens with new orifices. (laughs) Consenting aliens, it's not a rape joke. They're dead anyway. Oh, it's necrophilia. Oh, fuck. They've been resurrected. Resurrected aliens with, like, extra, like, holes in them. That's what an alien would have. It's going like this, pulsating. Yeah, then I'm up for it. But I bet there's something in Jehovah's Witnesses that says you can't have sex with pulsating alien vaginas. I bet there is. I don't remember that being a specific rule. (laughs) But I imagine, were you to ask, Mm -hmm. yes, that would be off the table. But... Um, I find it interesting that you need new orifices. <laughs> After infinity, I do. I mean, that's yeah, what I'm saying. I'm yeah. the, forever. I'm mm. satisfied for At another 50 point. years with the three or four orifices that I... Three or four? <laughs> yeah. They're on different people. Um, it's, uh... Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can think of max three orifices yeah. that you can do the sex with. My own hand. That's um, not an orifice. That's uh, a loop. That's a... Tell that to Jesus, who you like so much. Uh, but, um... <laughs> so actually, that's four. There's four. Four just up. There's five, six on Jesus. There's six. 
There's four extra on Jesus. Hey, Jesus doesn't have a and vagina. And Jesus would have. He, if you loved you, he would give. You would do. He would magic up a vagina for you. And he does love me even after this bit. <laughs> he still loves me. I go, Jesus God, you loves you. Snap a little vagina on there, please. <laughs> Just in there, slap it on. Jesus. One that goes like that. I feel like Jesus might. Jesus love may make an exception around a herring shaped hole. I don't know that Jesus' love extends this far. Yeah. I think you're testing him. You're testing him. You're putting him right... I mean, Jesus is meant to love us all. He's here in the room. He loves the little children what of the world. What faces he pulling, do you think, as he's listening to this? He's here. Because he, he could be laughing along. It's a bit like, you know, fuck off, Jesus. Don't laugh along. Or he's looking offended. Don't be angry. I don't think don't Jesus would up. be offended. I no, think exactly. Jesus was kind of cool. He was a hipster. So he was he the outsider. nothing. Jesus was... No, Jesus was the... Um, he was the Richard Herring of Nazareth. <laughs> he was an outsider. He upset everyone. He upset all the Pharisees. Yeah. He, was, he was called problematic. Um, they wrote to him and said he's one of the new... What was the one they called you? <laughs> the new the, offender. The new offender. He was an offender. He was offender. He was they apostate. crucified him. They crucified him. They hated him. <laughs> he used to keep... He was keep, keep, keep sort of, you know, uh, flipping them off and saying, oh, well, what do you say that I am? You know, he was, a, he was absolutely Richard Herring. Yeah. He was. He, yeah. was the... he wishes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think they'll be still talking about me in 2,000 years' time? I, I, I find it hard to believe they wouldn't. <laughs> They'll still be listening to this. Oh, yeah. This, this will be a new religion. The alien vaginas thing has got that. Yeah. swung it. So anyway, yeah, so you got out, though, of being a Jehovah's Witness. I did. I got out of the house yeah. by showing them the watchtower, and one of them got interested. Yeah. And then the lead biker threw me out because uh, someone got, started to get interested. And that is the thing. If you have a watchtower and you're in a hostage situation... Yeah. You just, you just start saying, would you like to make a friend of Jesus? And they will release you from any hostage situation. <laughs> I think that's, that's key to whatever it is that you're... Anytime you're in a hostage situation, you just say, are you saved? And they will immediately evict you from, <laughs> yeah. the, from the plane. Well, I mean, why would you take a Jehovah's Witness as a hostage? That's the worst person, isn't it? You're, you're doing yeah. everything you can to avoid them coming to in the house in the first the place. Actually... <laughs> In prison, just at least if you're gonna, I don't kidnap anyone, but if you're gonna kidnap someone, not, not. A... Anyway, let's ask an emergency question. Yes. I can't believe we got through that rape thing without having to ask one. So, um, it's, I've got some new ones. I was just looking. So, um, I've got to remember that you did not grow up in the United Kingdom, so that's part of the. Yeah. So don't ask me about bagpuss. I won't. No bagpuss questions. Would you rather be lactose intolerant or the Prime Minister of the Central African Republic? <laughs> Do you know what? Yeah. Lactose intolerant because yeah. I've sort of given up dairy anyway. Oh, have you? So it wouldn't be that. Yeah, I don't think... But my life wouldn't change that much. But were I to be the Prime Minister yeah. of any African region, yeah. any... It's a big commitment. It's a You'd lot. you kind I've, of have to go and live there. The thing is, my podcast is doing really well now. Yeah. And I feel like it would be much harder to do it in Africa. Yeah. Slash sort of builds the listenership. Yeah. And also the pressures of being a prime minister, probably this probably quite time consuming. Yeah. So it would be difficult. Yeah, I'm going with lactose intolerant. Yeah. And Simplicity Saranji is doing a great job out there, so why replace him? Uh, that's... It's hard to know. Do you think thunderstorms were invented by NASA to muffle the sound of space battles? No. <laughs> So someone genuinely asked that on the internet. I've just nicked that or something else. Uh, 
have you ever seen, have you watched something on Facebook Live that hasn't been totally shit? Oh, yes, <laughs> have I have. Okay. Phil Jupiter's cooking show. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, for his friends, he cooks, he cooks things and he lets you watch. But he does it all like it's an ITV Saturday morning cooking show. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, and he, but it's really lovely because you're watching him and then he goes, because you can see it comes on. So he goes, hello, Deb. And then you can write things to him. And I'll say, you know, I'll ask him a question and I'll be like, are you still up for doing that gig on Friday night? And he'll be like, he'll be cooking an omelette and showing you how to cook the omelette. And he'll go, yeah, yeah, I'll be there Friday night. So it's like watching an ITV cooking show on Saturday morning, except the presenter can talk to you. Yeah. You can't talk to them, you can just, but you can message them. And it's really wonderful if you've, if you've I don't know, but it's, is that just for the people's friends, Facebook Live? I, think, I don't know if that, I don't know how it works, really. I've, so I've you can't see that, is what bad. I'm saying. No, you can't see it, but it's brilliant. I wish yeah, you could. I think you could follow Phil Jupiter, you can find it. What is your most appealing habit? It's quite hard, isn't it? Because unappealing is easy. That's why yeah. everyone asks. But a pe- what is, you've got to think of a habit, and it's appealing. It's too difficult. Uh, it's, I've I got mean, a great rainbow question. You don't know who that is. I asked you that one backstage. Um, uh, that, that one that doesn't uh, apply to I you. I do like to... My most appealing habit is probably that I've got a sort of fairy godmother complex. Oh, yeah. So I like to help people. Like, see, like I, but to the extent where it's a bit... <laughs> too much and I'm trying to quit it I'm trying to stop it but like I'll be at a party and someone will say I'd like to do stand up and I'll be like oh well, you should and then I spend all night kind of coaching them and then I offer to help them write some material and I agree to make them a coffee shop on Saturday morning and I book them a gig and I go and see the gig yeah. and then I mentor them for six months <laughs> and then you know and then but at the same time somebody else has said oh I'm having problems getting promoted at work and I've got a difficult boss and I'll be like well you know, why, why are they being difficult? Well, I think they're a bit sexist. I'm like, well, we're not having that. And then I get start coaching them and I go to the coaching program and I go and meet their boss. And, and it's, it's, I just get into people. So I just really love helping yeah, people. But that that's obviously feeling. not healthy because why are you doing that? What are you getting out of that? Like, that's not normal. So I've tried normal, to turn it into an Obi-Wan Kenobi complex. Right. Because fairy godmothers have a wand and they fix everything for you, whereas Obi-Wan Kenobi gives you a lightsaber and teaches you how to use that. So if you were to say to me, oh, backstage, having a problem, the baby won't sleep. Like before I would have come round and said, don't worry, you guys go to sleep. I'll babysit every night this week. (laughs) I'll make sure she's you to sleep. I like the old (laughs) Whereas now I might go, I've read a book about that and give it to you and leave. Yeah, that's no good. <laughs> you went to Canada as well to help some another guy who'd listened to your program about um, the Jehovah's yeah, Witnesses. That, that's part of the fairy godmother complex. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's he, pretty intense. So you actually went to get I him went out. to Canada to help him out. Yeah, because yeah. he was a Jehovah's Witness and he current Jehovah's Witness heard my radio show and it was one of the things that made him wake up and realise this was a cult. And but he was clearly just sort of struggling slightly on his own and understandably because he's fourth generation Jehovah's Witness. And you, you know one outside. You're not allowed friends outside. And the punishment for leaving. Uh, and being disfellowshipped is shunning. So you just have to completely turn away from someone you know. Like, we could have been best mates, and then I see you in Leicester Square, and I have to go like that, like you're not there, like you're dead. Like, you're so dead, you're single. (laughs) Like, you're so dead, you're single and not getting a blowjob. That's how dead you are. I don't know if that counts, if I'm shunned by... (laughs) Am I allowed to know? So, yeah, so I went to Canada (laughs) to help him out. And, uh, no, if you're shunned, you can't have sex with other people. That's not... Your wife didn't say till death to us part well, or till shun. Jehovah's Witnesses, but I couldn't anyway. That's the problem with them. It's a tricky, yeah, loop that you're in there. Yeah, they've already sent me to Coventry, and then they're saying you've got to go to Coventry again. I go, well, I'm already here. Bad luck. 
one way ticket to Coventry, no returnsies. Uh, so yeah, so I flew to Canada to help him. Yeah. And, uh, and, but also that was so helpful for me. Like I had an amazing, I had a real epiphany in Canada and I realised that like I'd been in a cult. Like it was the yeah. first time I really faced it. And I know getting locked in the back room of a kingdom hall as is in my new series of the radio show by yeah. some elders who interrogated me for like half an hour with really sinister Canadian Jehovah's Witness elders. But it's hard to make the Canadian accent sinister. It's like they were saying, how's a boot Ryan's frenzy? And it's, but it was really sinister. It was like this sinister religious FBI Canadian Jehovah's Witness. Right. Yeah, yeah, really terrible. Um, so when I came out of that room, I was like, oh, I feel free. I feel liberated. I feel like I told them to fuck off, which I did. Yeah. I didn't say those words, but nearly. And uh, so I felt really free from it. So sometimes helping others, I think the moral of my story is sometimes helping others is really helping yourself. <laughs> and then you can do a radio show about it. And, yeah, you know, exactly. So you're helping yourself. In so many ways. <laughs> I'm just a selfish bitch. <laughs> It's interesting. So, um, well, I saw you do you do like uh, business talks. If there's a TED talk or something mm. of you talking about um, uh, stage fright and confidence and stuff, which I watched today, which is very interesting. And for, uh, so, you, you do that's part of your many jobs that you do. How did I do. how did you get into doing uh, seminars about confidence? I was I was doing teaching improvisation on the weekend. And uh, I, some people would come along and they'd go, oh, you should come in. And BBC people would come all the time and go, we're trying to be more creative and listen to each other more and build on each other more. And we feel it's very, sometimes a quite negative, uncreative environment. And uh, would you come in and teach some impro to us and help us? Right. So I went in and did that. But I felt like teaching impro in people's workplaces was doing the opposite effect. Like it was like... Teach coming to Impro on a Saturday without your colleagues, with no one you know as an anonymous person, like for a year, will really change your life. It'll make you more playful. Mm. But it won't... If, you, if, I, if I just go in and force you to do it in front of your colleagues, it's going to raise your anxiety. Yeah. Like for half an hour, do you know what I mean? Or for half a day in yeah, a yeah. terrible... At work... Can you imagine anything worse than me coming in and forcing you to play Whose Line Is It Any Way Games... <laughs> with people you work with. I mean, is there anything worse than that? It would be, that's real hell on earth, isn't it? Yeah. Switch, change, <laughs> come into a genre, like with your boss. I mean, that does sound hellish, doesn't it? I don't think you're getting how awful that would be if I were to do that. So, um, so I just developed stuff that I thought was actually helpful, which is now what I do. Yeah. No. So can, I, can people hire you to do that? Are you oh, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, they do all the time. Via I do it every website. week. Yep, it's good. Well, was, I thought they were, I actually watched and you were talking about how to appear confident and not have stage fright because I don't really ever have, get nervous before performing now, unbelievably. Uh, and uh, but you know, it's, it was really interesting to see you sort of explaining why people are nervous and how you stand when you're nervous and you know, yeah. when you when you're just used to doing it, you kind of you do it sort of naturally. Yeah, you intuitively do the things that I'm yeah. breaking down. Yeah. But sometimes I think performers should not watch it because then they start becoming conscious of what they're doing. Yeah, that's the worst thing. Now I should yeah. have watched it. Now I'm conscious of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit lettuce there. Look, let's see that. <laughs> It's a little uh, Easter egg. It's interesting. <laughs> and uh, well, let's talk about the Guilty Feminist podcast, which you do with Sophie Hagen, who's been a guest on before. Uh, I wanted to tell you all that you asked about what happened with Prince Andrew and what I said with that. Oh, yeah. So I thought I'd tell you all about that again. Uh, it's, uh, you can view that if you go... There's a secret channel you can go to and watch it now if you're prepared to uh, uh, pay a little bit of money. So there you go. Uh, but um, I'm not going to tell you where it is. It's that secret. Uh, it's what, so Guilty Feminist podcast is... is it's sort of you being... 
Uh, talking about feminism, but in a funny way, so because you're you're admitting where you've gone wrong a little bit and the things you've done. Yeah, it. well, it's, it's such a complicated like a... issue, isn't it? Because it's 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 simple in that we're we're talking about something that's about equality. Yeah. But then it becomes very the minute you get into it, it starts to become a complex issue. It, it really it really does, and it, I I think what the podcast is doing. We say that we are exploring our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities that undermine those goals. Um, and we always confess stuff, like at the top we do an I'm a feminist Bart, so I'm, I did like one that's like... So we admit true things that, like, I'm a feminist Bart. Um, one time I went on a women's rights march um, and I went into a department store to use the loo and I got distracted by trying out face creams. <laughs> and when I came out, the march was gone. <laughs> Now, obviously, I didn't tell the other feminists that. I told them I got rested. Uh, and, but, you know, I also... I, oh, I'm a feminist, but... One time, when getting on a light aircraft from uh, Provincetown uh, in Cape Cod to Boston, and I was asked my weight in front of the other six passengers so they could determine the amount of petrol they could put in the plane. I lied (laughs) by a stone and a half, endangering the lives of myself, the fellow passengers, the pilot and a border collie that was along for the ride. And these are things that apparently women... I went to Sophie first suggested it, because we would tell each of these things over brunch, and yeah, she yeah. went, we should make this... We should record this, because she was doing another podcast, and I was like, the other feminists will kick us out, we can't tell them. And she was like, no, I reckon other women feel this way. I reckon other women feel that they're not getting it right. And actually, it's, there's been a big response to it, because other women do feel it. So they want to be feminists, but they also want to... Like, I really, 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 more than anything, want to close the pay gap... But pretty much equally, I want to look good sitting down naked. <laughs> and that is not a noble goal, and, or a possible goal. That's not a plausible... In my lifetime, I will never look good sitting down naked. But you, do you know what I mean? Like, that's ridiculous. And not good. Good, what is good? See, even that is problematic. I would, yeah. If I did that on the podcast, people would write in and say, why are you saying good is good? Is, you mean like a billboard, and a billboard isn't good. You're good as you are. Yes. Um, so, you know, you look good sitting down naked, Rich. I sure do. <laughs> because unless you've got a reasonable expectation that you've got, yeah. look, you've got to look like Brad Pitt in Thelma and Louise, then, which is a really dated reference, <laughs> but that's my idea of sort of, you know... Yeah. You know I look now. like Brad Pitt in about 20 years' time. That's what I, that's what I look like. Are you, are you sort of... Bob, a Benjamin Button we never saw. Yeah. <laughs> a Benjamin, Benjamin Button... In the fifty, in the fiftieth, I've been mistaken for Brad Pitt by two taxi drivers. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> Which taxi drivers? <laughs> it's a bit, it was a bit dark. One was, one was, uh, one bloke said to me, um, uh, you, "Has anyone told you you look really like Brad Pitt?" I'm not gay. Is what it's exactly what he said. <laughs> That's me fine. Thinks, you're allowed to. Me thinks the driver to... doth protest too much. <laughs> I'm not gay and like to have sex with ugly you Brad Pitt. Look like you may, you might hook up with him in heaven. <laughs> I might hope so. And one was a female. I think I was with my wife, and I think the other. We, do you remember this, Katie? And we were going somewhere, and I think she thought we were Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Which oh, that's lovely. Yeah. I could sort I of, wish. I could uh, sort of uh, see it with the hair. But though. I was Brad Pitt. Oh, what's wrong with you? You're so unfeminist, you lot. I, I sort of, 
to I assume that. I can sort of see it though with the yeah. hair. That's his hair. It's yeah. like your hair now. He started copying my look. That's why. <laughs> for a bit. That's exactly what happened. He's probably yeah, a, a big beef. fan of your yeah, work. I think he probably is. If you want to come on, Brad, I won't bring up the whole uh, Angelina thing at all. So it's fine. That's all right. Now come on. <laughs> I don't trust him, Brad. He will. He will bring it up. He told me he wouldn't bring up lip sticker. But look what <laughs> but I think the thing is, for most people, like all of the issues of equality, it's getting so complicated that it sort of scares a lot of people away, right? So you, yeah. you know, you'll say I, the right thing about something, and then someone will come in and go, "Oh, but you're being offensive to this other group oh, God, of people." Yeah. All the time. So it becomes a massively complicated thing. Whereas you should just say, "I think everyone should be equal, regardless of where, whoever they are." You should, but but you should, but it it does get complicated because 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 equality is uh, it's so nuanced. So white white privilege is you know is pervasive, and it's unlikely that in the time period, like it's unlikely for women, given we've only been able to vote for about a hundred years, if we had caught up in a hundred years, that would be remarkable. Yeah, um, and there's privilege everywhere. I went to France the other day. And I was doing one of my seminars that you mentioned. Uh, and uh, the, so there were speakers before me. So this is a big company in France. And the lady who's organising came up and said, do you, mind, do you mind if one of the other speakers speaks in French? And I went, we're in France. <laughs> why, why would I mind if someone spoke in French? She went, it's just you're, you don't really speak French. And I said, I oh, know, I know that. I'm well aware. And she went, but... You know, so that's we, we, we can ask them to speak in English. She just doesn't feel as confident. I'm mean, like, we're in France. We're in France. This is outrageous. And so that was sort of my opening five about how, like, what kind of privilege do English speakers have? That I've been to a yoga class in Copenhagen. I thought, well, I'll just have to follow along. No, it was all in fucking English. A yoga class in Copenhagen should not be in English. It should be in Danish. And I almost had to go at the teacher for not doing it in a language I couldn't understand because I'm like, this is absolutely outrageous. Wherever you go, as an English-speaking person, you have this incredible privilege. We just rock up everywhere and assume people will be able to speak speak our language. And if they don't, we're a bit annoyed. And we speak more loudly and more aggressively. And that's, that's an example of the expectation of inclusion. Yeah. And I think that's really what it's all about for me, is like where, where we expect to be included. So white people have a very high expectation of inclusion wherever we go. Sure. Um, and, and, uh, we don't, but we don't notice that. Um, when I first came to London, I, I got a job as a nanny... And I'd driven in Sydney, but I'd never driven in London before. And everyone said, oh, driving in London is so, so scary. Driving in London, you know, you've got to be really aggressive. You've got to get out there. You've got to pull out. No one's going to wait for you. You've got to be assertive. You've got to be assertive. You've got to drive in London. You've got to be assertive. And I was like, oh. And I was driving three kids around. So I thought, oh, God, you know, this is going to be scary. But I found this was a stereotype about Londoners, um, that they weren't impolite drivers at all. They always let you in. They were always polite. They were as lovely. And then about six months later, I got a boyfriend and I drove his car one day and I started, I just couldn't get out, couldn't get out. And I ended up getting backed up into a cul-de-sac. And I was like, what's going on? What's going on? And he turned to me and he said, you can't drive this car the way you drive the Land Rover, you know, like a tank down the middle of the road and everyone just gets out of your way. This is a VW Golf. No one's going to get out of your way. And I went, I don't drive the Land Rover like a tank down the middle. He said, yeah, you do. You drive it like a tank down the middle of the road and everyone gets out of your way. You can't drive this car like that. And I went, oh, I thought everyone else was polite. Turns out I'm an asshole. <laughs> and that's the 
same for six foot four men called Toby with pinky rings. They don't know they're an asshole. They think you're polite. All they've ever driven is a tank. So everyone gets out of their way. And, and they just don't understand what it's like to drive a VW Golf. But if you're a short Korean woman trying to work in a big corporation full of very tall, posh white men, you don't get given the right of way. And you... You do this and it makes you anxious and nervous or it just makes you ram in and start smashing other people's wing mirrors off. And they're the two ways people get. They either get incredibly skillful at getting out or they just get very angry and start ramming their way into traffic. Yeah. Or they back away. Most people just back down a cul-de-sac and stay there and go, well, that road isn't for me. Yeah. Um, but they're the three things. So my main thing when I go into businesses is diversity and inclusion because I'm very, very interested in how we include ourselves. But I couldn't possibly have the information that I was driving rudely. I didn't know. I'd never driven anything else. Yeah. So I don't really blame tall white men for driving like they do. I just want them to have the experience inside the body of a Korean woman. For I mean, actually, no, that sounds bad now. I've said that. That's I don't mean it like that. I don't mean, oh, shit. No, edit that out. Oh, my God, the feminists. I don't mean that. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Uh, that if they could just drive a simulated body, even that, if they could just fuck the orifice of an alien, yeah. the throbbing orifice of an alien. They would understand they would understand. <laughs> they well, they would just give up and they would stay there, so they wouldn't. If you could give frobbing alien vaginas to everyone, they wouldn't go out to work anymore, so the women could do all the jobs. Could we have an emergency question, please? <laughs> I'll do a new one. Um, but I think, but well, I think it's interesting because I think uh, the, the, the reason the Guilty Feminist podcast and it's a great podcast and the reason it works is because. It, I think that the problem is that people feel and incorrectly. I think that they're being battered down. They're being, you know, because they, they, you have to reassess your life and you have to reassess all these things. And it is critical of you. And then people get upset because they think they're being criticised or they don't know what to say. I think like a, a lot of the rise of UKIP is because people thought, oh, we're not allowed to say anything anymore. Which clearly they're allowed to say anything. They want to carry on saying it. But you know, they get to a point where they're they're badgered themselves the other way. And I think it, by being by doing humour about stuff, about any subject, I think helps. What you just said kind of explains all of that so much better than, you know, someone having a Someone going, yes, you're you're a bad person. When people feel attacked, they bring the shutters down. So it's finding ways. And we know that there's some some kind of neuroscience that tells us that it's not real research, that bit, is it? Some kind of neuroscience (laughs) tells us, look it up, I'm sure it's true, that your defences come down when you laugh. And also when we laugh socially and collectively, our defences come down. But that's why comedy does have power. Because if we're all laughing about how, you know, women in short skirts are sluts and they deserve it, and collectively, collectively a room laughs, that that reinforces a view. So there is this just a joke. It's just bollocks. Your words have power and your jokes especially have power. Jokes have more power than a really didactic, boring lecture because it's a really encapsulated way that you can take that idea out onto the street and you can throw it at somebody. Um, If jokes, you know, passing jokes around, they're not all jokes of to be taken seriously and some are ironic but especially on Twitter it's really hard to know how your audience are receiving those because your mates will know you're being ironic but 7 million strangers will honestly believe that what you're saying is all women are bitches Um, and (laughs) and if you are listening at home Rich has done an ironic head bump (laughs) 
which implies that he thinks all women are bitches. Not all but, of them. Not all of them. But also implies that he was playing with the irony, so that he thinks all women aren't bitches. But, it was the wrong time to do it, I have to, wasn't it? It was the wrong time. It was the, well, is there ever a right time to do that, <laughs> That's what I'm questioning. I've learned a valuable lesson. I, don't know. I, th- I think I haven't learned... I, I haven't if, learned a thing. I think, that's, I think if you were going to learn a valuable lesson, you would have learned it before now. <laughs> How old are you, Rich, now? Vaguely? Um, I'm quite young still. I'm yeah. under 50. All your valuable lessons, I reckon, are learned by 45. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think 45 yeah. to 55, you might learn three things. And then after that, you're learning nothing. That's it's how true. I'm seeing it. All right, I'll ask you this. This is, this is an interesting question to go to now. Does sex with a robot count as cheating? If the robot is an exact copy of your partner in looks and personality? Um, or is it actually the best compliment you can pay to your partner? You know, and also the biggest waste of making a sex robot there has ever been. <laughs> oh, that's a really interesting one. Does your partner know about this? Well, maybe, yeah, I think if so. If they know about it. So it's like it. you've gone away and I miss you so much that I will just have sex with an exact copy of you. Yeah, I think... That's quite well, sweet, isn't it? In the future... Yeah. That sounds like a Black Mirror episode. Yeah. Um, in the future, Charlie Brooker will arrange it that we can all do that, yeah. surely. And, yeah, that's a great idea, actually. If we had the technology, that means long-distance relationships would work a lot better. True. Because you go online and you go and you have the chat that you have and you have the hologram, probably holograms then. And so it's like you're really in the room having dinner with them. Yeah. But a hologram having sex with you, I can only imagine... I wish I wasn't making these fingers now. A hologram <laughs> making, ha- making the sex with you is not the same because you can't feel a hologram, but you can have dinner with a hologram, it'd be lovely. But you then have the sex robot so that now you can have a relationship with anyone anywhere in the world. Beautiful, if, if anything, I think you should trademark that right now okay. and brand that as a... Re- 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 I always find this hard to say. Reholistopa. Re- re- Is that right? That's weird. It went the other way around there, didn't it? Uh, Reholistopa. Is that my saying that correctly? Reholistopa. Reholistopa. Rahalistapa. 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 No way out. Okay, let's go on to much like a fascist rally now. What about? What? So that was an awkward. I have an. I don't feel this is, and that was not me. That was what. That's the. That's the product of the Hitler Youth movement. You were clean starting. Don't do anything I say yeah. as long as it's repeating an acronym with yeah, five letters. Absolutely. <laughs> is that bit going to be on video? Can you please fucking delete that? Because that's. Because at some point, what if, say, I get a television show in America yeah. and then that becomes, what's that, what, a gif or something, a gif, a gif. <gasps> That's the worst thing I've ever done and it can't be undone. Yeah. And that was not, jo- that when people do that, it's not, can you please delete that now? Like, I don't stop the recording and delete. Because that is just me in a gold shiny top leading a fascist rally. <laughs> My life is fucking over. It was just like a spontaneous joke. I thought, oh, this is a build. This is an absurdity curve. This is, oh, this is going really well. And you all played along with it. You all did it. And you, fuck. (laughs) I've got an additional bit of that question, which turns it around on a sixpence. How about if the robot is an exact copy of what your partner looked like when you first met them? Oh, <laughs> and the personality of them when they first—is that a compliment or is that? A, a, I fancy a, my husband more now. Do you? Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he was kind of. 
Are you there? Is that you? <laughs> Both of our partners. Are. Is that is that is that are you in the front second row? Is that you? No, that's a different somebody else. What? Oh no, that's not my husband. You just pick anyone out oh of the audience. Oh my god! I so thought that was my husband. I saw it before and I was like, oh, Tom's in the second row. You're not Tom at all. Who are you? Colin. Wow. I would have cheated on my husband with you tonight, thinking it was you. <laughs> Oh my god. Do you know what I thought? Oh, he looks a bit odd in that light. And that's because he's a totally different man. <laughs> Could I have a sex robot of Colin, please? Yeah. yeah that is a sex robot of your husband that we brought along. Oh my god. What if that's the sex robot? <laughs> Colin, what do you do? What? I work in advertising. You work in advertising? That's all right. Stick with Tom. Um, <laughs> look, advertising's great. Don't, you know. What's the best thing you've ever advertised, Tom? Sex with robots. Seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. No, I, I think... No, I think the Tom back then was yeah. good for Deborah back then. Yeah. But neither... Tom couldn't be with me now and I couldn't be with him then. Like, like do you know what I mean? The yeah. old Tom couldn't, would not be able to handle me. <laughs> I, I'd just come out of a cult. I was yeah. quite young and naive and sort of wide-eyed. Yeah. If that Tom then meant this Tom now he would just run a fucking mile. He'd be like, <gasps> too much, too much, too much. Yeah. Um, is that true, Tom? Are you in? He's run, he's run a mile. Tom? Yeah. Yes? If, you, if that old you, young you, met me now... This is a new emergency question. <laughs> we're, we're working out. What do, would you... You wouldn't be able to... That young Tom wouldn't be able to take on now, Deborah. I'd have a go, did you say? Did you say I'd have a go? <laughs> oh, bless you. There go. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, it's nice, could we role play that this evening? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, there, well, there's lots more to talk to you about. By the way, the uh, I've, I've been googling, and uh, it's uh, her name's Meredith McNeil, the woman who plays uh, the tennis playing woman in Confetti. So. Um, <laughs> It was really bugging me that I couldn't remember her name. So, um... Were you, were you Googling while I was telling a story? Yeah, no, I did, I did it very surreptitiously earlier. I'm very good at this. What, what story did you just ignore and think she's got them? Take, take away, I'll just I can do tune my, out. I can do everything. Can I can look at emergency questions. What about this one? Would you rather live in the waxy ear of a grumpy giant eating only what flies in there by accident oh. and not being able to make a noise for fear of being ejected with a huge cotton bud or live in Middlesbrough? <laughs> Oh. That is genuinely tough. That is a tough question. It's genuinely tough because I think, at least with the first one, there's adventure, there's a story. I could yeah. get out of that and make an amazing Radio 4 show. Yeah. Deborah Francis White rolls the dice, lived in the ear of a giant, right? Yeah. Sure. I could probably get to make a feature film about that. Yeah. Like an animated feature film. Like there's so much opportunity if I can get my way out. But once you're in Middlesbrough, you're yeah. never coming out. You're not allowed out. That's the, that's the sort of... It's, well, it's a one-way street from London to Middlesbrough. You can go from Middlesbrough to London, but I suspect London to Middlesbrough is... That's, I think when you choose to go to you Middlesbrough, get off that you train, decided you're staying in Middlesbrough. You get off that train and there's no more blowjobs yeah. because it's as if you're dead. <laughs> so, ear of the giant. Yeah, cool. I think that's the correct choice. Um, you know, when you were saying it, I nearly stopped you going, whatever the other one is, definitely not this one. Okay. I thought, I genuinely almost thought, I must answer too early. But yeah. there you can. You, you always must be careful not to. How would you get out of the waxy ear of a grumpy giant? 
It's quite oh, harder than you think. Do you want me to pitch you the whole screenplay? <laughs> it's you just climb out. It's a whole. You just climb out. So, I mean, it is. It's an orifice. If you've got hairy ears. You can, it's you can a giant's ear out. would be a very large orifice. The words for <laughs> too big, I would say, <laughs> for my purposes. Depends how big the giant is, Rich. I was imagining he was. But if it's Richard Osman. Surely a legal giant, <laughs> not a well, legal how you giant. How big a giant? I'm imagining a massive giant. Yeah, we're imagining so three, five, five, five thumb, right? I'm trying to work out how big someone would be how? for their ear to be the correct size for to be a fit for my how? adequate penis. How big is Richard Osman? <laughs> That's never been asked to me when I've said my adequate. <laughs> He's six foot um, a lot. He's a Lizzie, a legal giant. Humphrey Carr is not a legal giant. I don't know, I don't know if he's been so legal, legalised. Legal. I think he's an illegal giant. <laughs> he gi- lives his life travelling from place to place with people in his ear, <laughs> trying to get them out. That's a... just slander. <laughs> That's just slander. When this goes out, he'll come yeah, after you. He will. Well, you know, I'm, I'm after him. He was very rude about me on his national... I've only got like 100,000 listeners. Everyone watches Pointless, and everyone thinks I'm the worse at Pointless now, thanks to him. <laughs> Do you know, if anything, it'll draw people to you because well, Britain loves a loser. Well, they, <laughs> I don't think they do. We went on. Me and my wife went on pointless. I'm not allowed to say what happened, but you know, he took the piss out of me as well on that. Oh, I think you, he fancies me. He probably thinks you're Brad Pitt. <laughs> he might do. Well, look, there's so much more to talk to you about. We might, maybe we should get all the guilty feminists on another time. Because I love learning about feminism and how wrong I am. <laughs> no, but we're all we're all trying. Yeah. We're all failing and we're all succeeding, and that's what we have to remember. Yeah. We're all trying. We're all failing. We're all succeeding. And if you just can live with that paradox all the time, yeah. that's what it is. Then things are okay. It's you just shouldn't beat yourself up for your inadequacies, Rich. No. So I don't really. Uh, as, <laughs> as long as I'm allowed, I just want to be allowed to do jokes about everything. Yeah, whatever when, I think about them, whether well, I agree with them or not. Your big like, contribution to feminism yeah. is you sit on the internet on International Women's Day. <laughs> That's true. Do do you all know about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does anyone not know about this? Okay, so for those people yeah. on International Women's Day, do you know what the most common tweet is? Yes. What about International Men's Day? And do you know what Rich does? He spends the whole day on the internet from four in the morning till four in the morning saying. It's November the 19th. <laughs> to everyone who asks. And it's a great service. Now, I personally believe that for some years, because there's so many of those tweets, for some years he's had an army of underpaid <laughs> women in his basement doing that for him, out tweeting for him. I, I, believe, I really don't believe he's paying them minimum wage. And it's actually the most unfeminist act. He has a sweatshop. Yeah. Of young women. Oh, believe me, I get accused of being, you know, I do get accused. Some people go, oh, typical man making it all about him on the, yeah. on the day. So, you know, you can't, you genuinely can't win with that kind of thing. Though I do it I, as a way that everyone else can get on with something else, I hope, because it is a yeah. stupid it's, it's a, such a stupid question. Yeah. We wanted to do an episode with you on International Men's Day right. where we come on and we talk about International Men's Day as a Guilty Feminist project, yeah. um, but then I was going to be away or something. We didn't make it work. Uh, but next year, yeah. can we do International Men's Day? You can't come on International Women's Day because we're having Clements Posey, okay. who's a film star. <laughs> As so, you know, I am a man. I think it would be... Oh, yeah, that's the other main reason. <laughs> the other main reason. But, let's make it all about me. But we should, do, we should definitely do one International Wednesday. It'd be yeah. fun. Good. That's well, November the 19th. 
Uh, It's been lovely to talk to you, and there's loads more to talk to you about, so we'll hopefully get you back another time, because we haven't even talked about Peter Andre. That was good. Oh, Peter Andre, yeah. Listen to the radio shows, they're fantastic. Is the second series out already, or is it coming out? It's come out. It's still on iPlayer right right now. There's uh, there's an episode about... There's a couple of episodes on iPlayer that you can listen to right Right. now. So if you go to Deborah Francis White Rolls the Dice, so you just put Rolls the Dice, iPlayer, it'll come up. And all Guilty Feminist podcasts still ongoing... Yes, guiltyfeminist.com. And uh, there's lots of episodes there. You can go back and listen to the first one was on nudity. Then we did ones on food and exercise and porn and all sorts of things. So there's always a topic. There's always a guest. We always do challenges. It's really fun. Uh, And Global Pillage, which is my uh, diversity-based comedy panel show podcast, globalpillage.net, where we it's very uh, diversely cast. And also it's two teams of comedians versus the hive mind of the audience. And the audience normally win because diversity works because you all together know more than rich and i can know tell that to meredith meredith mcneil uh, that is a fucking good point <laughs> anyway it's been lovely to talk to you ladies and gentlemen lovely. deborah francis White. you have been listening to rich james at square theater podcast with me richard herring and my guest deborah francis white thank you to pest for playing some music for us thank you deborah at the rest of square theater thank you deborah at go faster strike and thank you to everyone at the British Comedy Guide, especially Orange Mark. The producer is Ben Walker. Not here again. I don't know what he does when I'm doing this, but he's never here. It's very unprofessional. Uh, it is a Sky Potato Fuzz and Go Faster Stripe production. Hope you enjoyed this. Uh, if you did, uh, why not come and see me do some proper stand-up that I've written and isn't just made up as I go along. Uh, I'm doing a show called The Best, which I'm touring all around the United Kingdom, mainly from February to May 2017, though I'm in Bridgewater in December. So if you're in Bridgewater, why not come and see me? Uh, Thanks for listening, and bye, bye, and I'll see you again. Goodbye.